and welcome to episode 67 of Onion Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon. Okay, so there has been some excitement in the XJW Twitter community today regarding what one of the speakers at this year's convention said on the subject of righteousness and specifically the anointed being declared righteous for life. So the awesome Jake Vaughan, alt-worldly, <laughs> did a superb live stream on the subject and I shall be referencing this in just a moment. One thing I would like to say at the outset is that I'm not criticising Jake or his guests. He always does a great job at highlighting the watchtower for the cult it is. And I always enjoy his videos. But, and here's the but, <laughs> sorry Jake, uh, the idea of this being new light is, what can I say? I'm not sure it is new. In fact, I'm certain it it's not new. This is old light, just repackaged to a new audience. And it's one of those one of those things, what did we used to call it? A spiritual gem that not many witnesses know about. So I can understand why some would think this is new light, but it's not, as I will try to explain. So uh, Jake introduced the idea of the anointed being declared righteous for life at minute 59 of his live stream. There'll be a link to Jake's full live stream in the description of this video and podcast. So Jake said, and I quote, I actually kind of think there's new light a little bit in this. And then he played the convention video of David Schaefer, governing body helper, saying the following. And all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. That's a quote from Isaiah 60, verse 21. Note he uses the term righteous there, not righteous for life, just righteous. After reading down to verse 22, he continues, Yes, prospective members of the great crowd have been declared righteous as friends of God, as Abraham was. In Jehovah's eyes, they are, as it says in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, dressed in white robes. Today, they're serving alongside God's spirit-anointed ones, who are declared righteous for life. Okay, so a few things to pick up on here. Referring to those who will possess the land forever, the great crowd, these ones are said to be declared righteous as friends of God like Abraham, whereas the anointed, he says, are declared righteous for life. So a clear distinction is being made between those with an earthly hope being declared righteous and those of the anointed being declared righteous for life. So I can see why Jake 
and his guests and quite a few others on Twitter would think this was new light. But as I'm going to try to explain it, it really isn't. This has been around for quite some time, but I think it's probably just been buried for a while. And uh, David Schaefer was just kind of resurrecting this idea (laughs) for a new audience. Jake went on to say in his live stream, this was subtle, but what he said was, first of all, prospective members of the great crowd. Now that's very clever because you are not a member of the great crowd. You are a prospective member because you could mess it up at any point. You could screw up due to sin. Jake said, get disfellowshipped and guess what? You're no longer a member of the great crowd, whereas anointed are declared righteous for life. Alicia. Hello, Alicia. One of Jake's guests replied, I've never heard that before. And Jake agreed, saying, I've always heard the opposite, that you could lose your anointed calling. Then Jake's other guest, Lil, I think, said, yeah, that's something I heard too. Yeah, your status in the great crowd was just the great crowd. And it was rather obvious that, you know, if somebody gets disfellowship, then, you know, they're no longer in God's favour, not that they're supposed to be potential members of the great crowd, like we're not even worthy of that. That's just a whole new level. And Alicia concurred by saying, that's such a good point. I didn't even pick up on, but you're right. That is what he meant. He did mean that everyone is just a prospective member. You're never guaranteed. Okay, so let's break this down. Yes, David Schaefer, possibly the most boring speaker I have ever heard (laughs) did indeed call those with the earthly hope prospective members of the great crowd and there's nothing really new about this for those with an earthly hope Watchtower has two terms one other sheep and two great crowd there is nothing particularly prospective about the first term if your hope is earthly as opposed to heavenly you are right now one of the other sheep on account of the fact you're not one of the little flock with a heavenly hope but what about the other term great crowd the reason david schaefer refers to the great crowd's status as perspective is that technically the great crowd are those that come out of the great tribulation revelation 7 verse 9 and 14 and of course that hasn't happened yet so other sheep is an expression that applies now whereas technically speaking great crowd is a future group you could be one of the other sheep now but through unfaithfulness you could fail to make it through the great tribulation so if we're being precise we never actually made it into the great crowd group this is why david schaefer says prospective members of the great crowd he's basically just being technical having said that jehovah's witnesses and even the watchtower often use the expression great crowd to refer to other sheep living now everyone knows who they mean those with an earthly hope but it is just that only a hope it's not guaranteed yet 
the Watchtower, April 15th, 1995, page 31, carried a question from readers article on this distinction between present day and past day other sheep and the future great crowd. The question was, technically speaking, is there a difference between the biblical terms other sheep and great crowd? The answer, yes, though we should not be unduly sensitive about word usage or be upset if someone uses the terms interchangeably. It continues, after speaking about sheep, such as his apostles, whom he would call to life in heaven, Jesus added in John 10 verse 16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold, those also I must bring. The article continues, Jehovah's Witnesses have long recognised that in this verse, Jesus was speaking of people having the prospect of life on earth. Many faithful ones in pre-Christian times, such as Abraham, he was mentioned earlier, Sarah, Noah and Malachi, had such prospects, so we can rightly include them as part of the other sheep of John 10 verse 16. We also know that since the general call of the heavenly class ended in 1935, that's old light by the way, millions have become true Christians. These too are rightly termed other sheep since they are not part of the little flock. Rather, the other sheep today look forward to living right on into an earthly paradise. Now, what can be said about the identity of the great crowd mentioned at Revelation 7 verse 9? Well, look at Revelation 7 verse 13 and the question, who are they and where did they come from? We find the answer at Revelation 7 verse 14. These are the ones that come out of the great tribulation. So the great crowd is composed of those who come out of or survive the great tribulation. Understandably, though, for these to survive the approaching great tribulation, they must earlier have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, becoming true worshippers. Hence, though Revelation 7 verse 9 is describing this crowd after the tribulation, we may apply the term great crowd to all with earthly hopes who are rendering Jehovah sacred service now, just before the great tribulation breaks out. Very long-winded article, this. It concludes, in summary, we might remember other sheep as the broader term, encompassing all of God's servants having the hope of living forever on earth. It includes the more limited category of sheep-like ones today who are being gathered as a great crowd with the hope of living right through the impending great tribulation. Most of those loyal Christians alive today are of the other sheep and they are, or technically will be, part of the great crowd as well. It is worth repeating that fine as it is to be clear on these specifics, there is no need for any Christian to be overly word conscious, what might be called word critical. Paul warned about some who are puffed up with pride and involved in debates about words. If we personally recognise certain distinctions between terms, fine. Yet we need not, either outwardly or inwardly, be critical of another who may not use biblical terms quite as precisely. Phew. So that was The Watchtower, April 15th, 1995, page 31, telling us that, technically speaking... 
The great crowd are those that survive the great tribulation. So David Schaefer was just being technical when he referred to those with an earthly hope being prospective members of the great crowd. It's nothing new. It's always been that way, certainly since 1995, when that Watchtower was published. Okay, so let's return to Jake's live stream. Shifting to those with a heavenly hope now, Jake said, I've always heard the opposite, that you could lose your anointed calling. Then a bit later, Lil said, isn't this like what they normally do before they will release like new light? Like they will casually throw some stuff in different talks to make sure this is like stuff people are kind of prepped for already. And then they will give an official announcement about it. So it kind of makes me wonder if this will be something that gets touched on at this year's annual meeting. Jake then dropped in with, and now it's your anointed for life. And Lil concurred, saying, they have an angle. I know they do. I just don't know where it's going. Okay, where do I start unpacking this? Yes, David Schaefer is definitely slipping in one of those aforementioned spiritual gems here. Let's just recap what he said. Prospective members of the great crowd have been declared righteous as friends of God, as Abraham was. Today, they're serving alongside God's spirit-anointed ones who are declared righteous for life, with the emphasis on for life. So two groups of people with seemingly two levels of assigned righteousness, the great crowd or prospective members of the great crowd, if I want to debate about words, are what was it righteous as friends of God? And the anointed, who are declared righteous for life. Now, I agree. On face value, it looks like David Schaefer has just made a shocking new light statement about the anointed, that they are righteous for life. Meaning, what exactly, what does for life mean? To any normal person, if you have something for life, it usually means forever. So I can see why some in the XJW community are thinking this is new light. And maybe even some witnesses that listened to that talk were thinking this is new light. In the past, we've been reminded that even the status of being anointed is only provisional. Even the Bible states this in Revelation 17 verse 14, the anointed who get to fight with Jesus at Armageddon are referred to as having not just been called and chosen, but also as having remained faithful. The Watchtower, January 2016, page 19, raised the question, does the Christian who receives his token of being spirit-anointed have a guaranteed future in heaven? And the answer, no, that person is sure of his invitation. Being anointed is just an invitation. But whether he finally receives his reward in heaven or not, the article continues, depends on his proving faithful to his calling. Peter explained it this way, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and choosing sure for yourselves. For if you keep on doing these things, you will by no means ever fail. In fact, 
In this way, you will be richly granted entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. That from 2 Peter 1 verse 10 and 11. The Watchtower, January 2016, continues, Each anointed Christian must therefore struggle to remain faithful. If he does not, his heavenly calling or invitation will be of no value to him. There we go. So anointed ones, according to Watchtower theology, are no more guaranteed their future hope than the prospective members of the great crowd. So what's this idea David Schaefer is introducing of being declared righteous for life? For life. Is this new? What What's that all about? Is he saying the idea of one's anointing being only an invitation has now been revoked? Are the anointed now guaranteed life? Is that what he's saying? No. And I can't express this enough. David Schaefer is not giving us any new light on the subject. Being declared righteous for life is actually a Bible term applied to anointed Christians. It can be found in Romans 5 verse 18. This verse links the one act of justification, that is Jesus' ransom sacrifice, to men of all sorts being declared righteous for life. There it is in scripture. Righteous for life. This is not a David Schaefer special This is something that's always been in the scriptures. Interestingly, it says men of all sorts. The King James translation reads all men. But Watchtower calls on verse 17, which refers to those who rule as kings. So they apply this term righteous for life to just the anointed, not the great crowd. I get it. Romans chapter 5, chapters 5 through 8 are very clearly talking about anointed Christians with a heavenly hope. Are there any different type of Christians? (laughs) There's no mention of any other sheep or great crowd in this section of Romans or people with earthly hopes. Nevertheless, Romans 5 verse 1 does refer to the anointed using just the term declared righteous without the suffix for life that later appears in verse 18. So Watchtower really hones in on that expression for life in verse 18. The great crowd, or technically the other sheep, who hope to be members of the great crowd are declared righteous as God's friends, while the anointed are not only declared righteous, but declared righteous for life. What's going on? Why are the differences in the phrases? What does it all mean? Well, the clue is in what David Schaefer said about the righteousness of the prospective members of the great crowd. Remember, he said they are declared righteous as friends of God, like Abraham. The key to understanding this is in the word friends. The anointed are born again of the spirit. They are spirit begotten with Jehovah as their father. They are referred to as God's sons, even now while humans on earth. But those of the other sheep aren't viewed like this. They are not sons of God. 
They are friends of God, like Abraham. This, of course, is being pulled from James chapter 2, verse 23, which reads, Abraham came to be called Jehovah's friend, but not son, notice. No, sonship is for those with a heavenly hope on account of them symbolically dying to their present earthly life and being born again of the Spirit. Sonship sonship is a requirement for the anointed, but not for the great crowd, at least not just yet. Bear with me as I try to explain. If this sounds complicated, just take this much on board. The idea of the anointed being declared righteous for life is A, not new, and B, not what it sounds like. It doesn't mean one of the anointed can't sin, and it certainly doesn't mean they can't lose their anointing. Watchtower has always acknowledged this as a possibility, and they still do. For life isn't what it sounds like. To fully understand Jehovah's Witnesses' take on this, it would be helpful to read The Watchtower, December the 1st, 1985, pages 8 to 11, an article entitled Declared Righteous for Life, with the theme scripture being Romans chapter 5, verse 18, which reads, Through one act of justification, the result is a declaring of them, the anointed, righteous for life. Okay, so this article poses a question concerning God's anointed sons while on earth. It says, The question thus arises as to how the holy and righteous God Jehovah could have dealings with unrighteous sinners, referring there to the anointed as unrighteous sinners. How could he, God, while remaining faithful to his exalted standards of righteousness, choose from among sinners those who are to share in the righteous governmental new heavens and accept as his friends those who will be part of the righteous new earth? See the two groups there again, the new heavens, the anointed, and the new earth, the great crowd, other sheep. And the question, how can a holy and righteous God, Jehovah, have dealings with unrighteous sinners, anointed or otherwise? The answer is in the next subheading, entitled, A Merciful Credit Arrangement. Okay, remember the expressions applied to the two groups, those with an earthly hope aren't righteous, It doesn't say they're righteous. It merely says that they are declared righteous at this time. And likewise, those with a heavenly hope aren't actually righteous for life. They are simply declared righteous for life. Essentially, righteousness or righteousness for life is credited to, what did it say, unrighteous sinners. Why? in order for God, who is holy and righteous, to be able to have dealings with us without compromising his exalted standards of righteousness. If all that sounds very legalistic 
you're not wrong. Uh, Watchtower has always made a big deal about the legal transactional way that God goes about his dealings with unrighteous humans. The article continues, how could Jehovah provide relief for fallen mankind without compromising his own standards of righteousness? Then under a new heading, counted righteousness, how and why, it makes these observations. For what impelling reason do Christians who are called to be holy ones, that is anointed, need to be declared righteous? This is where the second aspect of justification comes into account, namely God's declaring a person worthy of life as his perfect human son. Due to the role they are called upon to play in the righteous new heavens, the 144,000 must renounce and sacrifice forever any hope of life everlasting on earth. In this sense, they die a sacrificial death. They submit themselves to a death like Christ's. With a citation to Philippians 3, verses 8 to 11. Okay, so let's unravel this. The anointed are, legally speaking, according to scripture, considered dead. I made an entire podcast about this symbolic death. I think it was episode 66 entitled The Serpent Awakens. Based on Romans chapter 6 verses 2 to 7 about how an anointed Christian is baptised into Christ's death. I'll leave a link in the description if you want to check that one out. The Watchtower article continues, Now, in line with the principle set forth in the Mosaic Law, any sacrifice presented to Jehovah must be without defect. The 144,000 holy ones are spoken of as righteous ones who have been made perfect. That's from Hebrews 12, 23. Note that point. The anointed, even while on earth as actual unrighteous sinners, as we established before, they are considered to not only be righteous on account of God crediting them with righteousness, but also, notice, perfect. This is while still being alive on earth as unrighteous sinners. They are credited with righteousness for life and perfection, even before gaining actual perfection. My granddad, Robert, was anointed. He made the mistake of quoting Hebrews 12.23 to members of his congregation in the 1950s. Basically, he told everyone he was perfect already without clarifying that this was only an accredited perfection for the soul express purpose of God having dealings with him as an unrighteous sinner. Needless to say, that did not go down well in his congregation and he made a lot of enemies. Carrying on, the Watchtower says, while still living in the flesh, these righteous ones, in inverted commas, 
because they're not really righteous, these righteous ones undergo a symbolic death. The Apostle Paul explains, seeing that we died with reference to sin, how shall we keep on living any longer in it? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through our baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised up from the dead through the glory of the Father, we also should likewise walk in a newness of life. Because we know that our old personality was impaled with him, that our sinful body might be made inactive, that we should no longer go on being slaves to sin. And here's the clincher. For he who has died has been acquitted from his sin. That's from Romans 6, 2 to 7. So there's this idea of an anointed person by virtue of their rebirth, their being born again. There's this idea that anointed persons, even while alive on earth, are baptised into a kind of death, the death of Jesus. That symbolic death is what Romans 6 verse 7 refers to when it says, for he who has died has been acquitted from his sin. A bit later in Romans 6, it says the wages sin pays is death. And that verse is often inaccurately applied to the idea that ones that die, literally die, are acquitted from their sins and therefore deserve a resurrection into paradise. In context, Romans 6 is not talking about earthly hopes or paradise or dying literally. It's talking about a symbolic death that anointed Christians undergo into Christ in order that they're no longer viewed by God as imperfect humans. God can actually view them as his born-again sons, perfect spirit sons, even while they're still entrapped in this earthly, fleshly, sinful body. The Watchtower continues during their human life. The 144,000 holy ones, of whom only a small remnant remain on earth in this time of the end, although it seems like there's more being added to that number by the day. These holy ones, it says, die with reference to sin. And then it says, after their symbolic death, symbolic death so while still alive those called to be holy ones are raised up to a newness of life then it says having declared them righteous jehovah is in a position to beget them by his spirit to be his spiritual children they are born again and adopted as god's sons couple of quotes there from John 3 verse 3 and Romans 8 verses 9 through 16. Commenting on anointed ones still being sinful, however, while alive in the flesh, the watchtower continues, while yet on earth, these anointed Christians, although declared righteous or even righteous for life, still have to fight their sinful tendencies. They need Christ's blood to cleanse them from their daily sins of imperfection. When they remain faithful until the end of their earthly lives, they literally die and are resurrected to an incorruptible and undefiled and unfading inheritance as part of the righteous new heavens. So, Watchtower has always taught the anointed are declared righteous for life. 
as opposed to the great crowd merely being declared righteous. Righteous for life is an expression that appears in scripture. It just means the anointed are credited with not only righteousness, like the other sheep are, but also sinlessness, perfection, even now on account of their death into Christ. So their righteousness is for life. It pertains to life. And it just means that God can have dealings with them now without compromising his legal standards, I guess, of holiness and justice. So David Schaefer isn't dispensing new light. There's no big overturn in Watchtower thinking here. They're not saying that anointed ones are guaranteed anything or that the likes of Raymond Franz, who they disfellowshipped for apostasy, was anointed for life. There's no discrepancy there. The phrase for life doesn't mean forever. It means, I suppose you could say, for the purposes of life. Life in heaven in the future, if they are faithful to their calling and choosing as anointed ones. That's all it means. Now, there's been some discussion on Twitter about this. Mighty Mouse, Gillian, hello. You commented, can't be, I knew a replacement anointed for one who had sinned. Where does that leave her? Plus, that's akin to infallibility and not free will. Exactly, Gillian. Watchtower has always taught that those declared righteous for life can sin, the unforgivable sin, sin against the spirit, and be replaced by another anointed one. For a long time, any new young anointed ones were viewed as replacements for older anointed ones who had fallen into apostasy. This idea was changed in a 2007 question from readers which asked, when does the calling of Christians to a heavenly hope cease? This is where the governing body introduced, and that was new light, that the heavenly calling was still ongoing, not that it had ended in 1935, as had been previously thought. And of course, this opened the way for younger anointed ones to join the governing body without being thought of as mentally ill or even apostate, as I was when I started partaking at the age of 34. Also on Twitter, the Falling Tower at XJWTino commented, interesting, when I heard that, I didn't interpret that to mean for life, as in a status that can't be taken away prior to resurrection. For life doesn't mean it can't be taken away. For life doesn't mean for life as in forever. Watchtower have a whole different understanding of words. (laughs) John T.R. on Twitter says, Isn't that once saved, always saved? Yes, I suppose it would be if it were true. But Watchtower isn't going over to an OSAS model anytime soon, I don't think. And regarding Ray Franz, Raymond Franz, one-time member of the governing body and anointed, Lois McNeil at Low, 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 Low Lois, good Twitter name, observed, my guess is they would say 
Ray Franz was mentally ill and not truly anointed. That's one option, I suppose. Personally, I think they will have opted for the idea that he was anointed, but he became unfaithful so that God had no choice but to remove his anointing and give it to someone else. Lovely man, Raymond Franz. Fantastic book, Crisis of Conscience and In Search of Christian Freedom, which was the sequel. Also on Twitter, my info, I think this is Ian Oland. Hello, Ian, says this isn't new. Exactly. The anointed are declared righteous for life as sons. That's it. The great cloud, great cloud, the great crowd are declared righteous as friends. And then he references that Watchtower 85. December 1st, he signs it off. One flock, my ass. <laughs> Very good, Ian. That's exactly it. So essentially what Watchtower is saying is the anointed need to be declared righteous for life, righteous to a special degree, a superlative degree, be a spirit begotten son of God. But this level of righteousness is not needed for the great crowd, at least not at this time. That's what Watchtower teaches. It is effectively this idea of two groups again. It's the anointed that God is dealing with now, not the other sheep. They just support the anointed. The anointed are the prospective heavenly government, the brothers of Christ. They are the ones that are accredited with this high level of righteousness now, based on their symbolic death into Christ and death towards sin, while absolute righteousness, total real sinlessness, perfection, only comes at their actual death and resurrection to heaven. Meanwhile, the poor great crowd... (laughs) have to wait for a thousand years before becoming declared righteous for life as God's children. Remember Romans 8, verse 19 to 21, which we used to read a lot when we were witnesses. It said, For the creation, those with an earthly hope, is waiting with eager expectation for the revealing of the sons of God, the anointed, that the creation itself will also be set free from enslavement to corruption and have the glorious freedom of the children of God. So that, according to Watchtower, occurs at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. So, yes, no new light there, I'm afraid. Now, while discussing the subject of anointed ones becoming unfaithful and losing their status... If you can call it that, I have a very interesting letter I want to share with you. This is a reply to some questions my dad asked Watchtower in 1966. I shall read it to you. So it says, Dear Brother Stoneham, So Stoneham is actually my family name. Daniel Torridon. Torridon is my middle name. Um, Stoneham is my last name. So dear brother Stoneham. This is dated April 7th, 1966. And my dad used to write into the Bethel headquarters with all kinds of questions, especially questions about the anointed. Like I say, his dad, my granddad was anointed. So there was a fascination there. 
So let's see if we can work out reading between the lines what my dad asked them. The Watchtower says, Thank you for your letter of March 25th with a number of questions concerning one of the anointed who discontinues taking the memorial emblems, whether due to being disfellowshipped or falling into inactivity. Interesting. When I was disfellowshipped in 2006 for three years, I just carried on partaking. <laughs> anyway, this letter says, first of all, it is necessary to understand the steps that individuals go through when called by Jehovah to be members of the body of Christ. He treats them quite differently to those of the other sheep. There you go. That's it in a nutshell. Because it is necessary for them to become spirit begotten ones. For this reason, he justifies them on the basis of their faith and then they willingly sacrifice their hopes of earthly life and become begotten by Jehovah's Holy Spirit and are henceforth dealt with by him on the basis of being spirit begotten. They no longer have any right to earthly life, but their entire hopes are centred upon becoming spirit creatures in the heavens. If one is truly begotten of Jehovah's Spirit, then this is the only hope he can have since he has willingly sacrificed all earthly hopes. It therefore stands that one who is truly called one of the anointed ones will either meet with Jehovah's approval and get life in the heavens, or else there is no other hope of life left for him. The question now arises about the duration of their anointing. Their anointing is something which lasts as long as they live. Nothing can cancel or revoke it. Okay, don't get excited about this. It's not saying that they will necessarily be anointed for life. It says it is like dedication. It is something which cannot be reversed. If a person falls away into inactivity and ceases to take the memorial emblems, or if he is disfellowshipped, it simply means that he is not living up to his anointing. But the anointing itself... The anointing itself still holds good. This was the case in the instance of King Saul, it says. He had been anointed king over Israel. Later, he proved false. But this did not revoke his anointing. That was why David refused on two occasions to kill King Saul, even when it was within his power. He would not touch Jehovah's anointed one. He left it to Jehovah to remove Saul which was done in due time and Saul's anointing continued until his death. But he had proved false to it and therefore was put to death. That's an interesting take on falling away. I'm just thinking how that would apply to the likes of Raymond Franz. Essentially, they've just said there that they they can't say when someone's anointing has been revoked okay carrying on the question really arises concerning these who are not living up to their anointing as to how long jehovah will hold open their place in the 144,000. this is something which is just clearly impossible for us to decide and which jehovah himself has to decide on the basis of each individual Clearly, he must hold open their place for them for some time, or else if one of the anointed was disfellowshipped, it would mean there was no opportunity for him to repent. But we know that is not so. 
If the other sheep can repent, then certainly the anointed can repent. This means that if one of the anointed was disfellowshipped and repented and was reinstated, he would still occupy his position in the 144,000. This would also apply, we assume, to one who had fallen away for a time. That's interesting because I was disfellowshipped as an anointed one in 2006. I was disfellowshipped for three years, carried on going to meetings, carried on partaking of the emblems. Even if I hadn't have done, the watchtower is here saying that if at some point I repented and then came back to the organisation, as I did, you would still be anointed. You don't go from being anointed to great crowd. You can't because you gave up your hope of living forever on a paradise earth. The only hope you have is heavenly life once you've been born again. What does the letter continue? However, as to how long, oh dear, we're still going on about how long, Jehovah holds open that one's position in the 144,000. We just do not know. I think we've got that point. And we have to leave it to Jehovah to decide in each individual case. It's interesting. They always say that, but then they spend two and a half pages of letters and God knows how many watchtowers trying to explain what Jehovah's likely to do. You read it here first. We just do not know. <laughs> and we have to leave it to Jehovah to decide. Obviously, it says there must come a time in the case of those who have proved false to their anointing when Jehovah has to finally decide that they have committed the unforgivable sin and are beyond repentance. I guess that applies to me now. <laughs> Since 2020, I have, well, 2019, I have been disfellowshipped and I have no plans of going back. In that case, it would be impossible for them to repent and they would be condemned everlastingly. Whoa. And this could happen before their death. It would not necessarily have to wait until an individual died before Jehovah decided that he had committed the unforgivable sin. The Bible says that the unforgivable sin means a sin against the Holy Spirit, and this is committed during one's lifetime, obviously. If Jehovah saw that an individual had committed the unforgivable sin and had gone beyond repentance, then it would not be necessary for him to wait until the individual's death before he called someone else to occupy the unfaithful one's place. Um, it says, if Jehovah saw that an individual had committed the unforgivable sin and had gone beyond repentance... It would not be necessary for him to wait until the individual's death before he called someone else to occupy the unfaithful one's place. We can see that this must be so because some of those who have proved false to their anointing may not die until Armageddon. <laughs> this would mean then that if their place was not filled by Jehovah before Armageddon, then there would be some vacant places among the anointed at Armageddon, and we know that will not be so. It clearly means then that some who have proved false to their anointing are still walking about on the earth and may survive physically down to Armageddon, but Jehovah must have discerned their unrepentant and unforgivable condition and called another one to occupy their place. I wonder who's occupying my place right now. Hmm, not thought of that before. However, as you will readily see, this is something which individuals on earth cannot discern or determine, and we must not be concerned with this. And then the final page, page three. If one of the persons who claims to be of the anointed should ask you about this, 
and perhaps has fallen away for a period of time, we'll have to tell him that they must take it to Jehovah God in prayer and only he can reveal to them whether the course of repentance is open to them. We can state general principles as they apply to members of the anointed class, but as imperfect humans, we certainly cannot presume to judge one way or the other in the case of a specific individual. There we go, wishing all their warm love and good wishes. Watchtower Bible and Tract Society of Pennsylvania. So, yeah, um, this discussion on Jake's YouTube live stream and also on Twitter, it's, it's just reminded me that there are so many levels of understanding among witnesses and ex-witnesses some things which appear to be new light are actually not new at all if you're an old codger like me that's been around for god knows how many years in the organization these are ideas that have been around for a long time and sometimes they just fall out of general usage in recent years, a lot of the teachings about being anointed and how it works, they all but disappeared. But now the governing body who claim to be anointed are front and centre. Now we get to hear things that can sometimes seem a bit odd. Things like governing body members speaking about Jesus as their big brother or governing body helpers talking about being righteous for life. But it it's really nothing unusual. These are all things I spoke about for years, certainly as an anointed Jehovah's Witness. I would I would often get ones come up to me and pick me up for speaking something strange. But then I'd flip to a Watchtower article, usually quite an old one, and say, look, that's that's what we believe. It's funny, the... The Watchtower beliefs are so complicated and they change so often. A lot of the time, witnesses don't actually know anymore what's current light, new light or old light. Such is truth, I guess. Anyway, if you're wondering where I stand on the whole anointed thing now, yes, I did identify as anointed in 2004 at the age of 34, which was quite young at the time, and it was prior to the Watchtower changing the idea about 1935. So I got quite a lot of stick for that in 2004. Well, I got I ended up getting disfellowshipped as an apostate. Nevertheless, I partook of the emblems from 2004 all the way up to 2020, despite being disfellowshipped for three years. And I was fully subscribed to being born again, a spirit begotten son of God. I tried to fit in with the witness version of being anointed, but I actually found I had more in common with actual born again Christians than than witnesses, which was always a problem. And of course, I was disfellowshipped again in 2019 after... uh, Succumbing to sin, let's just put it that way. I still feel like I had a spiritual awakening in 2004. I can't deny that, but these days I don't tend to limit that to a purely 
Christian experience. I still respect Jesus as a spiritual master, but I I don't class myself as just Christian anymore. My spiritual outlook is a lot a lot wider. Anyway, I I hope that's been of some use to you. Thank you for dropping by. If you've got any questions for me, particularly on the uh, subject of being anointed as a Jehovah's Witness, feel free to leave uh, leave comments, leave questions on my Twitter feed, either at I have many layers, that's my personal one, or at Onion Unlimited. And don't forget to subscribe to Onion Unlimited if you'd like to hear more podcasts and live streams like this one. Thanks again, everybody. Bye for now.